Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please do remain standing and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses uh, 9 through 13, a very, uh, very familiar text. This is uh, the Lord's Prayer as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Again, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Please give your attention now to the reading of God's holy word. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord once again in prayer and ask for his blessing on the preaching of the word. Father, as we come to this text, which is so foundational for prayer, we do pray that you would use the preaching of your word now to make us a praying people. For Lord, even as we consider evangelism, we, we have to recognize, and it's so crucial that we do, that unless you act, there will be no results that you are the one who is sovereign over the hearts of men, and therefore we must be a people who prays. Lord, make us such a people, we do pray, that uh, your name might truly be hallowed in this world, that your kingdom would truly come, and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. For we do ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, uh, as I'm, I'm sure all of you are aware, uh, prayer is... Uh, of course, an incredibly important element of the Christian life. There can be no true uh, healthy Christian life without uh, prayer. Really, everything in the Christian life ought to be rooted in prayer. And as we continue our um, series on evangelism, we have to recognize that evangelism is no different, that there is, with evangelism, a necessity that we be devoted to God in prayer. And if you were to ask, you know, why is this the case? The answer is because in evangelism, Remember what evangelism is? The idea is that we're, we're bringing the gospel to unbelievers. We are desiring to see them converted to, to Christ. We're concerned, we're, we are uh, striving to see people turn from their sins to God. And what we have to recognize with evangelism is that the thing that is sought, which is the actual turning of the sinner, that cannot be accomplished in our own strength. We are not sovereign over the hearts of men. We, we in, as the scriptures teach, we're not even sovereign over our own hearts. We have no ability to change our own hearts, and therefore we, we are not to delude ourselves into thinking that we are able to change the hearts of men. And if it's then the case that what we are desiring is not merely the action of putting the gospel before others, but actually seeing people turn, what we have to recognize is that if there is to be any success, it must come through the power of God. And therefore, we ought to ask that God would actually do the work to convert sinners. If you were to ask who has the power, who has the sovereign power over the hearts of men, the answer is, is that God alone is sovereign over the hearts of men. As the book of Proverbs said, that even the heart of the king is but a stream of water in the, hands of the, in, in the hands of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wishes. The heart of the king is subject to the great power of God. And therefore, 
Therefore, we must go to the one who is actually able to change the heart if we are to see uh, people actually converted. Now, what, what I'm inherently arguing here is that there is a connection then between sovereignty, the sovereignty of God and prayer for evangelism. Uh, sometimes it is said that, you know, the sovereignty of God is contrary to, uh, to evangelism, but notice here, it is the very basis for the prayers that we make with regard to evangelism. And even uh, it has often been said that uh, there are, in, in fact, uh, no Arminians when it comes to prayer for those who are, uh, who are our loved ones that aren't, aren't converted. And, and the reason is because what, what all Christians inherently pray for is for God to save the sinner. We are praying that God would turn the heart. If we're praying that, what, what there has to be behind that is a belief that God is able to turn the heart. God is able to turn the heart and therefore we must be dedicated to God uh, in prayer. It's very much similar to uh, what we looked at last week with regard to Joshua. Um, we, we talked about the need for boldness, for courage and strength to be able to, to, to go in and, and to fight. Uh, what was it that enabled Joshua to have this courage and this strength, this boldness to fight? It was because he knew that God was sovereign and that he had given them the land. And the same thing is true with evangelism. God is the only one who grants success. Therefore, we go in faith and we go asking for God to help us. We go believing that God will cause all of the elect to turn to him. And therefore, we go knowing that God uh, will, in fact, uh, do the work. And we ask him, therefore, to do it. Uh, now, that's, that's an overview then. Uh, prayer is necessary for evangelism, and we are to pray to God for it because he is the one who is sovereign. The plan for this sermon is to basically review the three things that we've talked about to this point. You'll know this is the, this is the fourth sermon in our series on evangelism. So we've looked at the two primary motivations for it, which is the glory of God and the salvation of man. And we've looked at the need for boldness as well. Uh, now we're going to come back to those three and, and particularly look at the way in which prayer is related to all of them. So the idea is that uh, we, did, we must desire the glory of God. That's why we do evangelism. But it's also the thing that we ought to pray for. We, it ought to control our, our hearts such that we are always pleading with God to act for the sake of the glory of his own name. And also then with regard to the salvation of man, we are always pleading with God that he, would, that he would take pity on those that we love, that he would take pity and have mercy on uh, those that we desire to be converted and that he would in fact pour out the spirit and convert them. And then we are to uh, pray to God, recognizing that boldness is necessary for this work of evangelism. And then when we find weakness in ourselves, we are then to go to God in prayer uh, for that as well. So that's an overview of the things that we're going to be talking about. Uh, we'll, we'll start first with the glory of God. And this really is, uh, this, this part, this uh, first section of the sermon uh, is related to the text that we read. Uh, where you'll notice that in the Lord's Prayer, again, um, the Lord's Prayer is very, very uh, well known. Sometimes it can be tempting for us to just simply say the Lord's Prayer without really thinking about the implications of, of each of the petitions. But it's important to notice with regard to the Lord's Prayer, how God-centered the Lord's Prayer is. In the Lord's Prayer, there are six petitions that are being made. But you'll notice the first three all have to do with the glory of God. All of them are related first and foremost to God. What are we to pray for? There are six things that summarize everything. And what Christ says is you are to pray for God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will, first and foremost. Before you get to anything with regard to yourself, Lord, I desire your name to be hallowed. Lord, I desire your kingdom to come. Lord, I desire your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you are the one who can do it through the outpouring of your spirit. Therefore, Lord, I, I plead with you to make 
your name glorious in this world. And that, that is to be, that is very much related to evangelism. Uh, if you were to ask, just, just, just to draw the connection with evangelism, you're to ask, you know, how is it that God's name is actually hallowed? How is it that God's kingdom is advanced? How is it that God's will is actually done on earth as is in heaven? Now, it, it goes beyond evangelism. It's not just evangelism that we're playing, praying for. But notice, evangelism is a, quite a big part of, of this. That when a sinner, when a sinner turns from his sins to God, he becomes one who hallows God's name. He goes from being a blasphemer to being one who hallows the name of God. When, when a sinner is converted, he is brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of the love of God, uh, of God's love. Uh, therefore, the kingdom of God is advanced through conversion. When, when a sinner is converted, he goes from being disobedient to all of God's commands to genuinely striving after obedience by the Spirit. That is to say then, there is a very real connection between praying these first three petitions and evangelism. We, we, we are we are praying that people would be converted when we pray that God's name would be hallowed, that God's kingdom would come, and that God's will would be done. So we'll just look at these very briefly uh, um, in turn, each of these commandments, uh, each of these petitions, starting with the first one, that God's name would be hallowed. Uh, the first thing to note, uh, as I've, I've mentioned, if you've uh, heard me talk about this before, is that th this first petition is in fact a petition. That's one of the, the first and most important things to note about it. Um, the first petition, when, when we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are not declaring that God's name is holy, which is, of course, true. We are, but the, the petition is not a declaration that God is holy. It's, a, dec it's a, a petition where we are asking that God would make his name holy in the world. Now, God's name is infinitely holy already. And this is something that our catechism teaches. Uh, what is uh, God? God is the spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So that means that God is a spirit. He's already infinite and he's eternal and he is unchangeable in his holiness. So his, his holiness does not grow or shrink. And yet in the first petition, we are praying that God's name would be hallowed. What then does that mean? The idea is not that we are praying that God would become more holy than he is, but we, what, what, what we are praying is that God's holiness would be recognized in the world, that people would come to see the holiness of this great God, that they would see that holiness and that they would come and they would worship God. The idea is that there would be a movement from those who blaspheme God versus those who will recognize God's greatness and holiness and that they would actually sanctify in this sense, uh, his name. And this is of course, very much related then to evangelism. That's what we're praying for in the first uh, petition. It is a real petition we desire because we love God we desire that others would recognize his great holiness and that they would bow the knee to him. And that is accomplished through evangelism. Now notice then the second petition with regard to God's kingdom. And there's actually a similar distinction that we need to make. There is a sense in which God's reign and kingdom does not grow or change either. In the sense that um, God is God and as God, he decrees all things and he rules sovereignly over all the hearts of men. And in that sense of God's kingdom, there is no growth. God is perfect. He's, he's already infinite and eternal with regard to all these things, and no one can, can be against his will. But notice then, that's not what we're praying for with regard to the, uh, the coming of God's kingdom, because that, that kingdom doesn't, doesn't go or come. What we're praying for with regard to God's kingdom is a recognition of the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ. There would be a, a, a bowing of the knee 
to the Lord Jesus Christ, a recognition that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. This is what uh, theologians have sometimes called the mediatorial kingdom of Christ. And it's describing uh, this very thing, that there's a distinction between uh, God ruling over all things as God, and yet a, a real coming of a new kingdom with the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And this is, really is, again, it wrapped up in evangelism. In evangelism, there are people that go from being those who are against the Lord Jesus Christ, fighting against him, to being those who submit to his rule. And thus, the, the bounds of his kingdom, so to speak, are, ex, are extended. Uh, the same thing can be said with God's will. There is a similar kind of distinction here that can be made. Uh, this is not, first and foremost, speaking about uh, God's will in the sense of his eternal decree. Uh, we, God's will is always done with regard to what he decrees. But, what is, but uh, what is being spoken of here is God's commandments, which is also an expression of God's will. What does God want you to do? He wants you to obey the things that he has commanded. And what this prayer is, is that uh, it's a prayer that God would make people obey him on earth, obey his commandments on earth, even as the angels do in heaven, which is perfectly. The angels obey his commandments. And the prayer is that God would so pour out his spirit that he would cause men to obey God. Now, again, this is very much related to, uh, to evangelism. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he speaks of the inability of those who are in the flesh to please God. And he says at one point in, in verses 7 and 8 that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. They, they do not submit to God's law. Indeed, they cannot they do not submit to the will of God. This is a characteristic of those who are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you'll remember in Romans chapter 8, Paul uh, contrasts this with those who are in the Spirit. Those who are in the Spirit, they do submit to God's law. They, they, are, they are controlled by the Spirit. They, they, uh, they submit to God's will. And therefore, when we speak about uh, evangelism and even, the, the, even the, this third petition, it very much is wrapped up in evangelism, in evangelism, a person goes from being disobedient to the word of God to being submissive to the word of God. And therefore, brothers and sisters, when we think about the Lord's Prayer itself, this thing that is so foundational uh, for uh, the Christian life, what all Christians recognize, this is a good summary of the things that we are to, to pray about. And we think even further, this is the instruction that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us. Notice how wrapped up it is in evangelism. We are praying that in this world, that there will be many who recognize the holiness of God and praise him, recognizing that holiness. We are praying that there will be many people who would, would go from the kingdom of darkness, enslaved to Satan and to their sins, bound over to death, that they would be transferred to the kingdom of the son of his love. We are praying that there will be many people who would go from being disobedient to Christ to being obedient to him. That is what we are praying for in the Lord's prayer. And the, the point is, is that that is to be your prayer as well. The heart that desires the glory of God must be the heart that, is, that often says, Lord, in prayer, Lord, I desire your name to be praised. Lord, I desire your, your, your name to be praised. Please make it happen through the outpouring of your spirit. Now, the second point that is made is that our prayers also are related to the salvation of man. So we, we pray for the glory of God, even as we seek it, as it ought to be a primary motivation, but also we pray for the salvation of man. Uh, there are many examples of this in the scriptures. Uh, one of the, the great examples would be Christ on the cross, even as he's being mocked and he's hanging there on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Uh, what is that except a, a prayer uh, that God would, uh, in fact, convert those uh, who were striving against him and who, who hated Christ so much that they even put him on the cross? 
the Apostle Paul uh, does something similar in Romans chapter 9 and, and, and 10. At the beginning of Romans chapter 9, he speaks of the great sorrow and unceasing anguish that he has in his heart for his brethren. He even says at one point that he would even could wish that he himself were accursed for them. I even wish that I myself would be accursed for them, that they might be saved. And then after uh, speaking about the sovereignty of God in the rest of chapter 9, then in chapter 10, verse 1, he says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Is that they may be saved. Uh, notice even there's a, a connection between the sovereignty of God, again, Romans 9, and then this prayer. Paul has a great desire that they would be saved. Now, I want, I want to talk about this from a, a little bit more of a, a practical uh, perspective here with regard to praying for those who, who are unconverted. Um, and I, I realize that as I'm, I'm speaking this, that you know, everyone, everybody has those who are around them that they, that they love and care about who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, that they would greatly desire to be saved and, and to be converted. And I recognize even further that there are, are many of you who may feel like you have no opportunity actually to speak a word about Christ to, to those that you love. There are situations where a person can lose their influence with another and you know that the, it falls on deaf ears and there's nothing that you can do. Uh, and and you know, there's not gonna be an opportunity. They've, they're, there's just a, a hardness towards you in particular. That sort of thing can happen. And it, and it may feel when those sorts of situations uh, are, on, are upon you that there's nothing that you can do. But brothers and sisters, here is one great thing that you can do. You can give God no rest by pleading with God for their salvation. That is something that you can do. And even if you have no opportunity to speak the word, which you need to be you know, looking for that opportunity, but again, I'm recognizing that, that it's not always there. Um, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that if God hears that prayer and gives you the affirmative, the person's saved. They will be converted without question. Does that, I mean, if... If, if God hears the prayer and he answers the prayer, then the person will be converted, no matter what, because that is the sovereign power of God. Uh, one of the great examples of this in the history of the church is with Augustine himself. Uh, you'll, uh, you, you'll may remember if you know anything about Augustine's conversion that um, his mother, Monica, is, uh, is very famously related to this. And she was in this exact situation. Her son was living a, a very ungodly life. Augustine was living a, a very ungodly life with regard to sexual morality and various other things. He was pursuing the ambitions of the world. And his mother had zero influence in his life in the, in the sense of um, she had no ability to persuade him at all with regard to spiritual things. And she would follow him. He, he would move to another city and take another job as uh, in, in schools he, was, uh, he would teach uh, rhetoric. And she would follow him into the city and plead with him, and there would be nothing. And he, she even would, um, she even requested that a priest speak with Augustine when he was caught up in this this cult, uh, essentially. And uh, the person realized, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I can do that. It's, you know, it's it's not going to do any good with regard to, you know, where he's at. He's not going to be able to listen to me or hear what I'm saying. But then he was, this man was so impressed with. Monica's zeal for her son and the, the tears that she, that she shed on his behalf and all that she could do is pray. And he said to her, I do not think that God will withhold your son in light of these tears that you shed for him. And that's, that was how moved he was by the zeal that she had 
for her son. And it took years and years. But in the end, uh, Augustine was in fact converted. And anyone, anyone who knows anything about that story, Augustine himself would say that it is doubtless, that it is the prayers of his mother that was a crucial factor in his conversion. She, she did not, she was not one of the ones that spoke to him to, con, to persuade him of the truth of the gospel at all. But it was her prayers. It was without question her prayers, her zeal in praying for her son that caused uh, God to take pity and then uh, to actually pour out the spirit and to convert Augustine and then to use him in such great ways for the good of the church. Uh, brothers and sisters, what is uh, the, the point is that with regard to those who are unconverted, there must be a perseverance in prayer. You may feel like you can do nothing, but the thing that you always can do is petition God. The thing that you always can do is, is bring the request before God. And as Isaiah says, to give him no rest, to give him no rest until the, uh, Jerusalem itself is built up again. You, you can pray for the good of the church, the advancement of the kingdom of God uh, always. And uh, know that such work, such laboring does advance the kingdom of God. Because again, because God's sovereignty, because, because God is so sovereign, if he hears the prayer and he answers, we know that the gates of hell cannot stand against the church because of the sovereign work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, brothers and sisters, be zealous, be zealous. Remember, remember what is at stake when we talk about the salvation of man, that those who do not turn face eternal wrath, the eternal wrath of God, and that those who do turn will receive incomprehensibly great blessings, that it is, it is literally heaven and hell is what hangs in the balance. And uh, therefore, if, if there is any kind of love that, we, that you have for a person, you know, a couple weeks ago I talked about the idea of, the, of the, the, the man who said, you know, how much would you have to hate someone not to share the gospel with them? But brothers and sisters, a similar thing can be said, can be said with regard to prayer. If it is so crucial and if there's nothing else you can do, how much more than ought you to be zealous to bring to God always the remembrance of those whom you love who are unconverted, knowing that if God decides to turn the heart, it will be turned. How much more zealous ought you to be in bringing before God uh, those who are unconverted? That is to be, that is to be something that we, we are praying always for. So we are to pray always for the glory of God then. We are to pray for the salvation of man. And even then boldness, um, what we looked at last week, we, we, we looked at um, not only the motivations for evangelism, but last week again, we looked at uh, what is required for our role in it. And we can say many things on this, but one of the things that we, we uh, looked at last week was boldness. That uh, if you are to be an instrument of God uh, to, bring, to bring about the conversion of sinners, if there's to be a real commitment to personal evangelism, one of the things is, is that there must be a real boldness. There needs to be a courage. It, it is an uncomfortable thing. It's, unco it's not just uncomfortable for some people. It is uncomfortable for everybody. It's, it's a difficult thing for everybody. Uh, but what is required then is boldness. And so um, what are you then to do if you have on the one hand, as, as there ought to be in your heart, a great desire to see God's name glorified and to see sinners converted and saved? You have that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, you have a great fear with regard to what you should do with regard to those things. I know that if the thing I need to do to advance God's kingdom is going to be uh, very difficult and it's fearful. I'm afraid when I think about those things. You have these, 
In this sense, in, in the Christian heart, then there is normally these, there are these competing affections. There is on the one hand, uh, there is uh, the one hand, there is this, this love for God. And then on the other hand, there is a fear. Uh, what are we then to do when we have those things? Are we to just shrink back? The answer is, of course, no. Uh, the answer is you are then to go to the one who is able to, to move you from being a fearful person to being a bold and courageous person. And that is, that is what is happening with prayer. And you'll, you'll remember that actually even the, the passage that we looked at last week in Acts chapter 4 is in fact a passage that is entirely a passage of a prayer for boldness. That, that, that passage is a prayer for boldness. And that's exactly the context. If you remember, God's people are being persecuted. The apostles, the leaders of the church have just been arrested. They're going to be arrested again in chapter 5, even more of them in chapter 5. And uh, they pray then in light of the situation, there's going to be a natural fear that comes into the heart of man. But what are we to do? We, we, we can't stop preaching the gospel because we desire God's name to be praised. We desire people to be converted. What are we to do then? We're not going to shrink back in fear, but we're going to pray that God would grant us boldness. We're going to pray that God would grant us boldness. When there is a weakness in the heart, that is all the more a reason to come to God in prayer. We're to recognize, yes, I am weak in myself, but Lord, grant to me the boldness, the courage, the strength to be able to do the thing that will lead to your kingdom being advanced. That is the way in which we are to pray. And so there is all this should be in, encompassed in our prayers. We are always to be praying for the sake of the glory of God, the salvation of man. But even then, as we think about ourselves, Lord, I desire this to happen. If, if what needs to happen in order for this to actually be accomplished, according to your will, is that I be used as an instrument. Lord, I submit myself to you. I want to be used in that way. Give me the strength to do it not to shrink back, but actually to do it. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is the thing that comes from God. And even, I, I would submit to you even further, this is the thing that only comes from God. Uh, there are those who may appear outwardly to be bold or courageous who are you know, not Christians. But the reality is this, is that true godly courage, true courage as is described in the Bible, only comes to Christians. And it only is given through the Spirit of God. The reason for this is because those who, are, who appear to be bold and, and courageous, who are not Christians, what they really are is, are just overly confident in their own natural abilities. That, that's all that they are. They're overly confident in their natural abilities. The, the unbelieving man is always oscillating between being overly confident in himself or being fearful because of how weak he is. The Christian says, I know I'm weak, but God is strong, and therefore I'm going to move forward. That, that kind of confidence and courage only comes by faith, and it is only granted through uh, prayer. It is only granted by, by uh, God sovereignly putting that in the heart of those who truly fear him. And therefore, brothers and sisters, as we think about evangelism, then we can say that every aspect of evangelism demands a commitment to prayer. And, you know, there's even other things that we could speak about. Uh, you know, uh, Christ commands us to pray, to send out laborers into the harvest field, we are to pray for wisdom to know how we are to do evangelism. We are to pray for the spiritual gifts that are to be used for the advancement of God's kingdom. We can say all those things. Those are also prayers related to evangelism. But even if we just narrow it down to just the ones that we've already discussed, the reality is that every part of evangelism, everything, everything that we're thinking about with evangelism requires prayer. Uh, brothers and sisters, the reality is this, is that Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been raised from the dead. He has ascended on high, and he ascended to the right hand of the throne of God 
that he might receive the Spirit. He has received the Spirit to pour out upon all flesh. And therefore, as we come to him, we ought to come expecting that Christ will hear our prayers, that he will answer them. Because the point of Christ receiving the Spirit is that through the outpouring of the Spirit that the hearts of many might be turned to him. That, that, is, the, that is the point. Christ has received the Spirit. This is what we see in, in Pentecost. Uh, Acts chapter 2, you know, Christ ascends on high, he receives the Spirit, he pours out the Spirit, and through the preaching of the Word, then 3,000 are converted immediately. The point is, is that, uh, is that the outpouring of the Spirit is a sovereign act of Christ. Therefore, it ought always to be the petition that we make of, of Christ, Lord, pour out the Spirit, pour out the Spirit. We could do, as a church, one of the things that I'm hoping will come out of this series is that we as a church will be committed to doing things in evangelism, that we'll be able to do things together for evangelism. That's what I'm hoping will come from this. But brothers and sisters, uh, we could do everything with great boldness, put the word of God before others, and if there is not the blessing of the Spirit, there will be zero progress in the kingdom of God. There will be zero progress. And therefore, as we go out, we need to go out bold in evangelism, but we must go out also on our knees, pleading with God, pleading with God that, that he would not let our labors be in vain, that he would actually pour out the Spirit and that he would uh, grant that many would be turned to him. God is the only one who can do it. The scriptures teach us that we do not have because we do not ask. Let it never be said of us as a church that we do not have, that the church is not growing because we have not petitioned uh, Christ to pour out the Spirit. But may it be that we would be counted among those who do have because we do ask. That we would be those who, as is said in Isaiah, who stand upon the walls of Jerusalem and who give the Lord no rest until she is restored. May it be that that would be a characteristic of us, that we might see the church grow in our generation. Let's pray. Oh Lord, Lord, we do, we do pray that you would look upon our weakness and that you would, would help us, that you would uh, bless the, the ministries of this church and that we would be a people who pray. Uh, Lord, we see in ourselves a great weakness even with regard to this. Lord, we see, Lord, our hearts are not consumed with your glory as they ought to be. We are not as zealous in prayer for our uh, for, the, for our loved ones who do not know you, even our neighbors who do not know you. We find ourselves shrinking back in all kinds of fear and yet do not come to you in prayer. And Lord, all this shows another great weakness, which is that we are very often weak in prayer. Lord, please do grant us by your spirit that we would be committed to prayer uh, as a people, that we would uh, that we would. Lord, if we feel like we can do nothing else, that at the very least we would be diligent with regard to prayer. Lord, do grant us this. We, we, we do ask that we would not only have uh, the outward form of the things that you require, but that, that it would consume our hearts, that we would see our, our true place of dependence upon you, and that we would cry out to you. Uh, Lord, as was, as was one time said, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, so we can say now, Lord, we do pray, but, but help us, for we do not pray as we ought. Uh, Lord, please do grant this to us by your Spirit, for we know that you are the one who is sovereign even over our own hearts. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you've benefited from this ministry and want to know of ways you can help or support it, we'd like to make you aware of our new capital campaign to build a new building. God has recently blessed us with growth here at New Covenant. Over the years, our church has been small. It's gone up and down, but overall things have been tight financially and the church has been small. Now, by the grace of God, we are growing. We believe it wise in light of this to think about building a new building to facilitate even more growth. Our current building only seats 72. We cannot fit any more seats, and if we were to fill every single one, every Lord's Day, we would have no more than 72. The plans for our new building would more than double the capacity and enable us to grow to a point where we can be stable financially and even be able to help other churches. One of the things that we want to, to be is a church that is able to look beyond itself for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. We believe that this new building can help us get there. And so we are praying that God would provide for us the funds needed to build a new building, that we would grow to fill it, and that one day we would even be able to plant a church ourselves. As you know, doing ministry here in the Bay Area, this is a very dark place. Uh, there is a great need for the light of the gospel to shine, particularly in this place through the preaching of the word. And so if you want to support us and to, to support our efforts to see this new building built, please consider giving a financial gift to this end. You can give by sending us a check with building fund in the memo line. Our address can be found on our website. You can also give by Zelle by sending the money to nc.opcssf.treasurer at gmail.com with building fund in the memo line. May God bless you with a greater knowledge of his word and zeal for his name.